chapter 10. John chapter 10. It's a, a favorite verse, a favorite passage of many people. You've probably heard it many different times. And, and if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably heard dozens of sermons on it. Um, and, uh, but maybe you'll hear something new today. Before we read together, let's bow in prayer. Gracious God, I thank you for the Bible. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true, and it represents your word to your people here. And I pray, Father God, that by your Holy Spirit, you'd speak the words of Scripture into our hearts and our minds. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd rest upon me, that I can bring God's word to God's people today, boldly and faithfully, to the glory and honor of Jesus. Father, let Jesus be exalted today. We love you and we praise you. We worship you and adore you. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In John chapter 10, we're going to pick up with verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. May God bless to us this reading from His Holy Word. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, I wasn't totally surprised, but I was disappointed, discouraged a little bit about the Prime Minister's announcements uh, regarding uh, London going into a brand new Tier 4 and there being a new strain of COVID-19 uh, that's, that's around. By the way, that's not unusual. And uh, just pay attention because I fully expect that there could be another strain of COVID that emerges that becomes a little bit more, uh, a little bit deadlier than this present strain. I mean, that's what happened in the Spanish flu uh, about a year and a half into it, and we're not quite a year into the, the COVID situation. But, uh, but hey, I don't want to put a damper on you because, you know, frankly, even the Prime Minister's announcement could not put a damper on Christmas. You know, Christmas is going forward. We're not canceling Christmas. Nobody's canceled Christmas. In fact, it's hoped that maybe more people will be paying attention to Christmas this year. Uh, 
Christmas is a time when we as a nation, we just seem to experience a greater degree of life and joy and happiness. Uh, I mean, it's hard to walk down the street at Christmas time and not start singing, you know, like, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, that's low. Uh, anyway, you know, it, it just it, because nothing can push down the life that we received and the celebration that we have of the little baby lying in a manger. I mean, all of this is because of him. All of this is because of Jesus. We also need to understand, Christmas always has had an undercurrent of darkness. You know, if it weren't for COVID this year, uh, we'd see the darkness of consumerism, of deprivation, uh, drunken partying. I mean, all this kind of stuff is always going on around Christmas. But despite all of the things that happened, despite all the darkness, the light of Jesus continues to shine and the life of Jesus continues to come forth. And the darkness is there to remind us, as what Jesus said, that the thief, that's Satan, comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I mean, that's what the devil wants to do. That's what the devil wants to do for us this year. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to kill our spirits. He wants to destroy our lives. Uh, And that's what Satan does. And we shouldn't be surprised at that. Jesus warned us about those kinds of things. But that's not the focus here. The focus in that passage, as Jesus went on, he said, yeah, there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, I, that's Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came for life. Jesus came that people may have life. Now, I want to tell you, church, oftentimes we give in to the world on this. Because our temptation in the 21st century, I think that's what we're in the 21st century, our temptation in the 21st century is to forget everything that's happened in the previous 20 centuries since Jesus Christ came. And our temptation is just to take this, and the world is trying to get us to take this statement and relegate it simply to eternal life. I think almost every sermon that I've ever heard preached on this passage is talking about, talks about eternal life. Now, of course, Jesus came so that we would have eternal life. I think that's life to the full. But this passage deals with so much more than eternal life. And we forget it, and we forget it to our hurt, and we allow the world to think that the good things in the world today are there because there were a bunch of basically good people who got together and did basically good things to come out with some basically good outcomes. And that is not true when we look at history. We sometimes fail to realize how much life in our world today has improved because of Jesus Christ. In a sense, we need to step back in history and place ourselves in that early first century when Jesus was walking the earth and have a look at what was going on, have a look at history as it would unfold there a little bit, 
and see how Jesus, his coming, has brought life into the world in the following 20 centuries. And to see how our world has changed so that indeed we can say Jesus came that people may have life and have it to the full and we can see the impact of Jesus on life in our world all around us every single day. Jesus came that people would have life and have it to the full. So what's happened? What's changed because Jesus is in the world? And if you look around the world, I want to admit here, I'm going to paint with some pretty broad strokes. Obviously, time doesn't permit me to go into a lot of detail on each of these things I'm going to say, but I encourage you just to start looking things up. You'll see the evidence. The evidence is clearly clearly there. So how has Jesus changed our lives? Well, the first thing, Jesus changed the value of human life. Jesus changed the value of human life. We can see that if you just look back in the last century at Stalin and Mao under Marxism. A lot of times, you get people all the time to say, oh, those religious wars, you know, those religious wars have killed so many people, and folks don't believe it. Don't believe it. Under Stalin and Mao in Marxism, approximately 70 million people died. 70 million because of a godless philosophy. Stalin and Mao, and Mao, direct to their rule, led to the death of 70 million, or possibly more, of their people. They didn't care about life. Life, human life, was valueless. It was a means to an end. It was a means to an end. But today, we believe that human beings, and this is true of most of us in the West, we believe that human beings have intrinsic value, that the lives of people are valuable. Why is that? It's because of Jesus. Jesus showed us that we're all created in the image of God, and Jesus demonstrated our worth when he died on the cross for us. Every human being has value because every human being is a human being for whom Jesus Christ died. All of our understanding of human rights today have emerged from Christian beliefs. All of our, every human right that you value will be traced back in some way, shape, or form to a Christian belief. That's how Jesus changed our world. He changed the value of human life. He let us know that we're people who have rights. I love the American Constitution. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people are created equal. That is a biblical statement. And that's because of Jesus. Second thing, Jesus changed our understanding of human life. He changed how we understood people and their relationships, how we understand human lives. You know, for example, 
You know, the Ravellos, they have a beautiful baby girl. She's learned to, she's learned to, to walk. She's out walking right now. Her name's Jane. You know, and I thought about asking Marcos after she was born. I, I thought about saying, Marcos, why didn't you just toss her in a ditch somewhere and let her die again and get a boy kid? Now, is that horrifying to you? If that's horrifying to you, it's because of Jesus. It's horrifying to me. I would never say that. But in Roman times, it was common to take baby girls and toss them in a ditch because baby boys were seen as more valuable. And that's not just in the past. You can look at many cultures in the world today. Back in 1990, a study was done of cultures that are, don't have a Christian basis, do not value life, that you know, they don't value little girls. And the study estimated that there are a hundred million fewer girls back then. There were a hundred million fewer girls than there should have been giving normal birth trends. So, ladies, guess what? Women's rights. You know, Jesus was big on women's rights. Women weren't worth anything. They were certainly worth less than men in the Roman world. Ancient Rome, China, India, they are all places where babies were killed and in some places are still being killed today because they weren't the right gender. And Jesus came and he changed that. He said, no, I value women. He had women who followed him. And the first witnesses of the resurrection were women. There was so much value for women in the ancient church that many times people say, well, it's a woman's church. Sometimes they say that today. But Jesus welcomed women. Jesus also welcomed children. Children did not, were not considered people of intrinsic value until they got older and could be productive members of society. But Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me because such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus changed our understanding of human life. Third, whoops, is that the third thing? Is that the, oh, I skipped a number. I lost a number. How about that? Sorry about that. <laughs> number three, which I have down as number four. Many apologies. Jesus changed the functioning of human life. Jesus changed how we function together. Think about government, for example. Because of Jesus, we know that rulers do not and should not have absolute power. We don't believe any government should have absolute power these days. That's because of Jesus. That's because of Jesus. Economics. If you think about it, Christian values have led to things essential for the functioning of economic activity in our society. Things like honesty. I mean, we've all seen where people lie and deceive and cheat. And it's horrible. It happens today. But why do we think it's horrible? We think it's horrible because of the influence of Jesus. Honesty, hard work, free enterprise, philanthropy, doing good with our money. 
seeing higher standards of living in our world, they all flow from Jesus Christ who came that we would have life. I mean, this is so observable that missiologists back uh, 70 years ago observed a phenomena uh, in, uh, phenomenon in societies where the gospel wasn't really pre- prevalent, where people really weren't following Jesus, and all of a sudden there was awakening, and so a lot of people started following Jesus all of a sudden. They observed a phenomenon that they called redemption and lift. And they saw that when especially the husbands in a family were redeemed when they became Christians, that the living standards of the whole family tended to improve. And that's happened throughout history. That's happened throughout history. That's economics. Science. You know, we like to hear people today say that science and theology are enemies, but do you know that science as we understand it today emerged out of Christianity? It came forth from our Christian faith. And yes, some scientists diverge diverge from that today. That's always going to be the case. But it came out of Christian commitments that we live in a stable universe created by God, that Jesus came to reveal God, to reveal God's will, and therefore God wanted to reveal what was in our universe. So we needed to explore it. We needed to challenge it. We needed to discover it because discovering the foundations of the universe were discovering what God had done. Our science pursuits all come out of that. Medical care. Medical care, as we understand it today, expanded because of Christian commitments. We see it around the world, but we see it here in the UK. Many people don't realize that uh, when uh, uh, Nye Bevan, who was the MP, who was leading the, the, health, the charge to set up the National Health Service, he had a Christian passion commitment to set up the NHS. And once the NHS was established, at, at, opposition, at the opposition of many doctors and hospitals and others, once it was set up, he said this, he said that the NHS is a, quote, little piece of Christianity. I, for one, am thankful that I'm in a society that has a national health service. That comes out of our Christian faith. Jesus changed how we function in our lives. Uh, And you can add to that all the compassion and the humanitarian aid around the world is part of Jesus' legacy. Now, of course, you might argue with me and say, well, you know, Islam has the Red Crescent, but the Red Crescent only started because some Muslims were ashamed because of how Christians were reaching out with the Red Cross. You see, in Islam, in fundamental Islam, if something bad happens to you, well, you know, I shouldn't do anything about that. It must be Allah's will. Same is true when you look in in India, in the Hindu caste system. If you were part of the lower caste, uh, might as well let you die or just use you. Your life's not that important. And we see a change in India because of the work of Christians that we were doing. And this is true around the world. Every major humanitarian aid effort, its foundations 
Now, not some of the newer ones, but if you go back to the original ones, they came out of a Christian commitment. They flowed from Christian values. So Christian uh, Jesus changed the functioning of our lives. The fourth thing, Jesus changed the purpose of our lives. Jesus changed the purpose of our lives. In societies, in societies without Christian influence, humans are there simply to serve the ruler or, the sta- or those who are in power. People have what we call instrumentality. In other words, their value is associated with what they do, not with who they are. The whole idea that I, as the son of a plumber, who came out of poverty in the United States, would study, get my doctorate, and travel across the ocean to now be in central London preaching the Word of God to an international community that was unheard of and would still be unheard of outside of Christ. Because of Jesus, we understand that we're all called to have life. Because of Jesus, we understand that we all have a purpose. And our highest purpose before God is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, according to the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Jesus showed us every single one of us were created for relationship and for community. We were created to be a new society of people under God in relationship with God. And that means not only the able-bodied people, but also those who are disabled. It used to be that children with Down syndrome were routinely aborted or cast aside. But I still remember something I saw back in the 1980s on a a news program in the early days of computers. They were teaching uh, children with profound Down syndrome how to communicate using computers. And I still remember this child being interviewed on the national news. And the child said to the interviewer, God speaks to me in my head. And the interviewer said, really? What does he say? And the child said, God loves even me. God loves even me. Jesus changed our understanding of the purpose of human life. We're not there to serve the Marxist agenda We're here to serve God and Jesus Christ, to relate to one another, to be part of one another. And Jesus changed, finally, the limits of life. He changed the limits of life. Now, as I mentioned, you know, in many societies, people are constrained. They're constrained by their birth. You can see it in the Indian caste system. Their family, their caste, their family's occupation, their education. You know, education itself emerged from the monasteries. The monasteries made an effort to preserve ancient libraries so that human knowledge might continue. And then these monasteries and their preservation of libraries and human knowledge led to the founding of many universities. You look at Oxford, you look at Cambridge, they were founded by Christians. They were founded for Christian purposes. 
These universities came, and the universities expanded, and even the, the more modern passions that all people should be educated has a Christian foundation. We've all heard of Sunday schools, but we don't all recognize that Sunday schools were started in the 1800s so that children might learn how to read the Bible and learn how to have an education. Our education came out of Jesus. Jesus. Forgiveness and mercy. Our understandings of forgiveness and mercy in our world today are 100% Jesus. The other religions of the world, aside from Judaism, the other religions of the world do not have a real understanding of forgiveness. Forgiveness makes no sense. Forgiveness makes no sense outside the cross of Jesus Christ. And mercy. You know, forgiveness and mercy is what enables us to have a stable world today. Without forgiveness and mercy, countries would be continually at war. That came out of Jesus. And Jesus, as we know, set us free from the limits of our sin. No longer does your sin determine who you are and who you will be. Your sin does not determine your future. Jesus set us free from the power of sin. In addition, the world does not determine who you are. The world does not determine your future. Jesus set us free from the power of the world to take control and be the single influence in our lives. And Jesus set us free from the fear of death. Yes, you can't talk about how he came to give us life and life abundantly unless we understand that that does include eternal life. That we know it's not over when we die that Jesus has a plan, has a purpose, that He will come, He will reign on the earth for a thousand years, and then one day He'll create a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness and peace dwells and where there will be no more sadness and crying and mourning and pain. All of that's going to come, and in that day we will have a limitless life. We will have life to the absolute fullest. But in the meantime... We need to help the world understand that all that we experience, all of the benefits that we experience, all of the blessing that we experience, and I don't have time to talk about the arts, about creativity, about technology, but all of this emerges from Jesus Christ who came that we might have life and have it to the full. It's not just eternal life, and we must not allow the world to reduce it to such because it's so much more. Jesus came that we might have life in this world and have it to the full in the world to come. Everything that's happened, all of these good things, it's not intended to be heaven on earth, understand. All of the goodness, all of the blessings, all of the fullness of life that people experience in this world is intended to give people a foretaste of Jesus. Intended to give people a foretaste of the world to come. And around the world, we see positive changes made, either directly because of Jesus' influence or in response to Jesus' influence. 
Don't believe for a minute, for example, that China has entered into an open economy simply because they realized, hey, this is an okay thing to do. It was in response to what they saw in other places around the world. And that kind of dynamic is going on day after day after day, and we as Christians need to continually point people to the reality that Jesus came, that all people, Christian or not, may have life, and that all that respond to him may have life to the fullest. But of course, none of this matters unless you've surrendered yourself to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is the way that we enter into the fullest expression of the life that we have in Christ. And if you've never done that, then I simply encourage you to do it now. <laughs> Excuse me. You can do it just by praying, going to the Lord and say, Lord, I give you my life. And I thank you that you gave me yours. I thank you you died on the cross for my sins and that you're here to lead me in the power of your Holy Spirit. Forgive my sins Heal me and give me the life that you promised. Praying a prayer like that, genuinely emerging from your heart, is one way to begin to enter that reality today. Jesus came that all people may have life and have it to the full. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we honor you. We worship you and we adore you for all that you've done in and through us in the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've come, that we could have life and have it abundantly. Thank you, Jesus, that you've shown us your love and the love of the Father. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would move in the heart of any person that's listening to this are here in this room, who have not, who's not really surrendered his or her full life to Jesus as Lord and as Savior. I pray that you lead them to do that now. You draw them into it in the power of your Holy Spirit and that you'd allow them to be born again to re experience the fullness of life in Jesus Christ, both in this world and in the next. We love you, we praise you, we worship you and adore you and pray that we might celebrate the life of Jesus fully this week. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to go into a time of worship. Uh, if you want to sing during that time, I encourage you to put on your mask uh, just to be sure that we're, we're safe. 